You're listening to Taxpayers Australia's news and insights podcast, Tax Wrap. Welcome listeners to Tax Wrap podcast episode 63. I'm Steve Burnham and I'm joined today by Lisa. G'day Steve. And Andy. Nice to be or here, Steve. Lisandy, as we call them in the office sometimes, <laughs> just to join the two together. It's, um, it's coming up to FBT time, guys. It's scary. Yep, yeah. that time of the year again, Stephen, when we have to worry about F, oh, fringe, isn't it? Fringe, fringe but benefits. B, B is for benefit and T is for tax. That's sometimes right, Sometimes yeah. we may call it different things, but that's what it is. Yeah, it's definitely not a free bar tab, Steve, that's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> so what's in store? Is it the same, yeah. as, same as ever or what's the... Yeah, I think one of the things to note this year in particular is that FBT is turning 30. Oh, yeah. So, wow. so it's gone through that age of self-discovery and now it's uh, <laughs> arguably a fully-fledged adult with a whole bunch of flaws, unfortunately. Uh, it, it is a very unwieldy uh, oh, sy- Maybe for the current 30-year-old, it's still living with its mum and dad, though. Andy, maybe. <laughs> That's right. Mm. So what can we say about FBT? So we, we basically went back and had a look at the 1986 annual tax summary just to get a little bit more okay. uh, factual information as to what FBT was like. Back, Back in the then, day. What did you, you find? Yeah, I think one of the things was, one of the interesting things we found was that these days we know that the FVT year starts 1 April, but back then they actually started it from the 1st of July 1986 oh. until 31st of March 2000, uh, sorry, 1987. So basically they had a nine-month transition period mm-hmm. and basically we were laughing about it. We were talk- using the... Um, analogy of FBT being a 30-year-old, it's almost like a nine-month gestation just, period. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, why so, did that happen? Is it just out of, out of interest? Why the... Uh... Yeah, why, why was FBT introduced? Yeah, I mean, back... I mean, there used to be a law, or uh, in the tax laws, there was a law in place basically taxing employees on, on non-cash benefits, but it, was, um, it wasn't enforced, and also it wasn't... Um, it was highly unworkable. So the law wasn't very effective in terms of taxing individuals on those non-cash benefits, you know, in terms of how do you value it, you know, what's what's the number I should put in a return. And, yep. you know, employers weren't necessarily responsible for that. Employees didn't really seem to care. So so really that's why they introduced FBT right. uh, and an FBT regime. It forced the employer to... to um, to have those obligations when they do provide non-cash benefits to those uh, to their employees, and you know most people might recall some for some of us might not you know sort of you know Keating and Howard uh, Keating and Hawke at that time were talking about you know people having these long long lunches mm. and you know mm-hmm. the use of motor vehicles etc cetera, etc cetera. and so it necessitated um, for an FBT regime to be introduced so that employees became uh, responsible. Uh, I think that's only. Australia and New Zealand mm. are the mm. only two jurisdictions that do have an FBT regime where the obligation is placed on the employer. The only two countries in the world? That's correct, really? yeah. Gosh. Yeah, we've got a very strange tax system, Steve. Where <laughs> we have some specialties, don't we? Just Capital d- gains tax, tax consolidation. You know, oh, we're, right. we're the, only, the only country in the world with tax consolidation that does it using this our model. Mm. Mm, dear. Well, and, and why, I mean, sorry to us, I mean, I just, I've always wondered mm. why the FBT year was staggered. Why is it different to the income year? Is there a reason? Yeah, is it just um, the workload or...? I think it's workloads. Workloads one of those things as well. Um, I think the other thing, you know, just out of... Uh, logic viewpoint, even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it makes sense, is also, you know, for reportable fringe benefits as well, you know, sort of, because in most instances, employees are required to provide um, a payment summary, Mm. 
POIG payments summary to the employees very shortly after the end of the financial year. So if you had fringe benefits and you had to calculate all that and, and so forth, it could create that it, additional it really administrative Yeah, so it's basically burden. a timing difference, just like um, the ATO lets some um, companies, you know, change their 30 June end of year to oh. another thing called a substituted mm. accounting period, Steve. Right. So it just it just depends. But a lot of time it's just to just manage the workflow and also given that it's employee-related, mm. you want to make sure that the employees can lodge their returns as yep. soon as they can after 1, 1 July, and I think that aids it. So this FBT year, what's hot? What's what's top hot topics? Yes, I think one of the biggest hot topics is actually to do with the FBT rate. Um, we most people will recall that the government did introduce the temporary uh, budget deficit uh, reduction levy, and as a consequence of that, you know, a lot of the the rates went up, and as a result of that, the FBT rate went up to forty nine percent. So that's for fifteen, sixteen. So employers should you know, be mindful of that, that the FBT rate has gone up and that's gone up from from 47% for the prior year. Yeah, yeah. And so the impact of that, Andy, is that the type 1, type 2 numbers factors have changed, haven't they? So it's the numbers that a person like yourself, I'm sure, can remember off the top of your head. Um, a lot of people can't, though. Oh, no, he hasn't. He's got to look it up. <laughs> look it up. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that, that those, those gross up factors, which are to do with GST... That's um, correct, have Lisa. basically changed. Yeah, so those grace up factors just for, for our listeners is if you have a type 1 um, gr- um, item, so for example, that's a GST inclusive item that rates 2.1463. I'm just reading off my notes here. 2.1643, okay. 2.1463. And if you had a type 2 benefit, so a benefit where it's GST exclusive, it's 1.9608. So basically these gross up rates, Steve, is to bring it to your pre-tax position had the employee incurred that cost Oh, in yeah. obtaining mm-hmm. that benefit. So that's how um, these gross up rates work. It is. It's paralleling salary and wages, isn't it, Andy? So we're basically going to say this is the value of the benefit. We're going to tax you basically the same as if, um, if, you, taxing, got if, if you got it in, in your hand. Yeah. That's the whole idea. It's basically to level that out. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so that's they're probably that's probably the biggest thing um, for this year, just to be mindful of the rates. The other thing is also to work out, you know, when your returns should be lodged. And so the ATO um, does have concessional rates, uh, con- concessional dates um, for uh, tax agents. Um, in the normal course of events, um, t- the DFBT return is due on the 21st of May 2016. So that's on a Saturday and we'll get back to that very shortly. And the payment date's also on the same day. Now, if you have... If you have a tax agent and they lodge it electronically, the due date for that's 25th of June, 2006. Again, that's also on a Saturday with payments on the 28th of May. 2016. 2016. Yep. Again, also on a Saturday. So yeah. um, if you are lodging by paper, then it is the 21st of May, 2016. So no different to you know your standard business you know self-preparer. But the payment date is extended by one additional week to the 20th of May, 2016. So... Um, but um, one of the things I would like to ask Lisa is, she'll probably notice off the top of her head the significance of it falling on a Saturday. Oh, the significance falling on a Saturday. Well, that means, well, the ATO portal's always down on a Saturday anyway, Andy, so you wouldn't <laughs> be able to do it if you tried. No, that was, that's just an admin joke, and I'm sure all the listeners understand my, uh, my, my joke in that. No, you've got, you've got till the following Monday as a concession. If yeah. anything falls on the weekend, you've got till the next business day. 
Yes, yeah, so okay. there might be a few busy people working on weekends. Just so to you get can work over the weekend, basically. Just That's to right, yeah. Make the Monday deadline. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but the, the, payments, the payment dates are quite important. And typically what we found with payment dates as well is that um, usually to get to that payment date, you've got to do the FPT uh, up, uh, return up front or get the numbers calculated up front uh, in any case. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And the other thing that's quite unusual this year, Andy, that we were just having a bit of a joke about is that we've got an extra day as well, haven't we, this year? We're in a leap year. Leap year, yeah. That's right, yeah. And so that becomes very uh, critical, particularly if you have to do, you know, uh, calculations. And one of the biggest calculations, of course, with, you know, with FBT, your your car calculations, you know, particularly if you are using... um, using the statutory formula method, for example. You know, you've got to work out the number of days that the car's been held for private use. Mm-hmm. So so that's a big factor in terms of doing the actual calculations, people. And that's a great tip by Lisa as well. People usually um, forget about the fact that, you know, this year we do have 366 every year that there's an Oli- that the Olympics are held. That's how I typically... Yeah, uh, divide by four as well. It's another way to remember it. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. So... So that's really big. And on the subject of cars, I mean, in terms of, you know, car fringe benefits, it hasn't changed uh, relative to to prior years in terms of the rules. But, you know, there's always a few things that, you know, it's worth picking up. Um, You know, one of the things that we've picked up in the office, particularly from our members, is that, you know, the DHO are focusing on on logbooks. That's a real big concern to them, particularly if they're legitimate or if they're valid Logbook. So we have had a few members call us asking IKDHO has looked at our logbooks to make sure that they're they're valid. So if you are using the operating cost method to to value your car fringe benefits, just double check your logbooks, make sure they're valid. Um, mm-hmm. We did do an article um, back in um, back last year, just going through some of the the tricks and traps with with logbooks in the in the taxpayer. Yeah, right. and the other thing, uh, uh, well, I've had a helpline call on as well, Andy, is um, one of our um, our members have uh, had their client audited. So I think it comes down to one of my pet things, which is data matching. So if you're showing a depreciation of a motor vehicle in your financials that you've disclosed in your income tax return and you're a business, yeah, where is the associated FBT return? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's really, really important because then that, that's just a no-brainer data match because it's all living in the home of the ATO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's that's a really big thing as well, Steve, with family companies. Sometimes family companies inadvertently purchase the vehicle through the companies. They go, beauty, I can claim the GST credits. Oh, but yeah. then, you know, the the uh, the flip side is or is the fact that there is potential FBT liability if mum or dad or, you know, um, a family member uses that vehicle for their, for private use. Yeah, and and yeah. the other issue with that as well, which is quite interesting, is the difference between the statutory formula and the operating method is very significant on those, uh, let me call it, those luxury cars. So if it's a family business and everyone's driving a Mercedes or a BMW, um, Anyone who wants to give me one to drive, thank you. Um, Andy already drives one of those two cars, ladies and gentlemen. Um, look, if, if you're driving those, it is a big difference whether you're using the operating model um, or the or the stat formula. And you need to elect to use the operating method. So you need to lodge an FBT return. Okay, if you don't lodge your FBT return on time within the dates that Andy was talking about, you're basically stuck with... The statutory formula. That's correct, yeah. Oh, right. That's correct, yeah. So some other tips out there. Um, most people will know that the um, with the statutory formula method, the rate is 20%. Uh, we did have a phase-in a few years ago, but now it's a fixed 
20% when you do do that uh, calculation. Yeah, I remember in the old days when I had a company car and I was working for ICI, always the, the email went around going, actually, do we have emails? Maybe not. Um, check all your, your um, odometer readings and swap cars around so everyone could actually get down, you know, to, to the right number. Get the right That's number. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. And the, the other thing to also note is also the way that you can reduce the FBT liabilities by way of employee contributions. This is particularly the case with um, novated leases. If you do take up novated leases, uh, just make sure that your employees, if they are incurring any costs in relation to the, the operation of that, that motor vehicle, particularly if they're paying third parties, for example, if they go down to the servo or pay their mechanic to get the car serviced, those expenses will reduce the FBT liability. So if you're in that sort of situation, make sure that you, you get that sort of documentation to support your employee contributions. Yeah, so go out and ask your employees, you know, what are you, what are you paying out of, you know, your own pocket for that? Because that can really reduce the FBT liability mm. by reducing the, what we call the taxable value, which is sort of like if you were thinking about the base value of the car, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Which, which would benefit everyone really, I mean, employer and employee. Yeah, that's what a lot of lot of lot do. The the company will pay for the car, but in terms of the running costs, a yep. lot of times the employee pays for that, and then that that actually reduces the taxable value of your car. So right. that's a, a pretty standard way. If if uh, you know the members out there have done some planning and uh, checking of, of of car FBT arrangements, yep. Yep. they've usually done that. Well, vehicles are a big thing. Anything on the on the uh, I know that meals and entertainment or another. Yeah, mm. yeah hot, hot, hot. That's a very hot area. Yep. I mean, that's consistently hot. Um, we did uh, an article just sort of just before Christmas on all your Christmas benefits. So so that provides all the FBT, uh, FBT good and bad news. But um, I think one of the main things with, with entertainment is, you know, a lot of people get confused with the fact that um, with the minor with the interaction with the minor benefits exemption. So yeah. that's the exemption whereby if you provide um, a benefit to an employee and it's less than three hundred dollars, and it's provided on an irregular and infrequent basis, uh, you can get that FBT exempt. Uh, the most common example that we use is the Christmas party. Uh, that's where you know less than three hundred dollars per head. Uh, you can typically get that as being FBT exempt. However, what most people don't know is that um, that's a form of, typically that will be a form of middle entertainment, the Christmas party. One of the things that people don't know is if you're already valuing all your meal entertainment throughout the course of the year using the concessional methods, i.e. you use um, either the 12-week register method or 50-50 split method that applies to all mill entertainment throughout the year, including your Christmas party. So mm -hmm. in other words, what you can't do is you can't cherry pick the benefits you want the minor benefits exemption to apply to. So that's just one tip that people sort of um, get wrong and yeah. that we've seen people get wrong in in FBT returns, so you can you can see how it's easy to overlook that. I mean, I could. I yeah, can you can apply it. you can apply it to the whole year. But the good thing about it is, then the next year you can change your method. Oh, that's right. correct. Yeah, that's correct. But you just can't change your method mid year. With mid year, exactly. Right. Yeah. So if you do want to rely on the minor benefits exemption, you've got to do it on what's referred to colloquially as an actual basis. So it just means a lot more record keeping in terms of making sure that. Um, making sure that you pick up the relevant benefits and to whom it's been provided yeah, to you. You've got to allocate all the pennies, don't you, Andy, That's in right. that case? I mean, I was at a, out at a discussion group recently and, you know, I, I said to them, you know, if you were to 
use an actual basis. You know, you've got to ask your employees if they, you know, do take a client out, you know, how many people had this meal? Was it, you know, two clients and an employee or was it two employees and a client? So it mm. does become quite messy. So you've got to have a, a level of, you've got to have some internal policies to have that discipline to, to properly report yeah, those yeah. sorts of expenses. Yeah, one of the things that I've noticed is when I used to travel a lot in my previous life is if we were out and someone would shout the table, which is quite common, especially in the 90s, <laughs> if I can say that, you know, when it was a bit more affluent, what they do is they grab everyone's business card and they'd attach the business, they'd staple the business card to the receipt and then they then you, you can, you know, divvy it up evenly. It doesn't say like you had the fish, I had the steak, but at least then you know how many people were there and how many people were okay. employees versus... Yeah. Guests. Yes. Might still be room for that method That's these days. That's a great days. tip, Lisa. It is, yeah. 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 Well, this sounds like there's a lot to keep in mind, a lot to remember, and it um, sounds complicated to my little brain, but um, look, uh, Taxpayers Australia have help at hand. We um, have a, a webinar coming up in the tw- 23rd of March, I think, which is a national webinar. You can um, attend and find out more about uh, FBT there. And two seminars, one in early April in Sydney and uh, a couple of days later, the next one's another seminar on FBT to be held in Melbourne. Uh, Listeners, you can find details on our website, taxpayer.com.au forward slash events. All the events are listed there and uh, pay attention to the FBT sessions if if you're um, concerned and if you want to remember all the points that Andy and Lisa have pointed out today and it's a lot to remember. But thanks again, guys, uh, Andy and Lisa. Good thanks, Stephen. Very educational. Listeners, thank you again. And if you have any um, any points, any comments, any pointers and uh, questions you want, uh, you can send us an email at podcast at taxpayer.com.au. We'll be very happy to, uh, to take care of it. Thanks again.